after leaving uh, Heart and Soil, you were a coach over there as well. Mm -hmm. He's a wealth of knowledge from fitness, mindset, nutrition, all the all the good things. He's a great friend of mine, very supportive of me on my journey, and I'm excited to welcome him to the Be Powerful podcast. So Chris Bates, welcome. Thanks, man. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to reconnect with you. I feel like the last time we connected was like a, I mean, kind of like a year ago, like was the the last time that we, I mean, I saw you at that. That red carpet movie premiere. Red carpet movie premiere. Yes. Yes. Which was brief and it was good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I feel like you really, uh, the conversation that we had a year ago when I was struggling really stood out to me as far as like the last time that we really connected. Yeah, know? yeah, we did. And, and I felt, you know, that would be really neat to maybe add some context because totally. we, we could start there. I think it's, yeah. it's a really amazing story. And I know you're very courageous in your vulnerability. So maybe the context would be, yeah. would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So last year, about this time, I was going through some some things and it I've talked about it on my last podcast about how this season ha- has been in the past a time where I kind of start to falter a little bit. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, you know, I think they they kind of refer to it as seasonal depression right around this time people start getting a little more emotional, a little bit kind of, you know, whatever just for me it's definitely been been a pattern, and um, I had just relapsed. I was living with my mom. I was just staying with my mom because I was I was using, and I and I called her, and I was like, "Mom, I can't stop. Like, I need you to come over to my house and like get my drugs from me, and like bring me to your house, mm-hmm. and we'll leave my car at my house, and I'm just gonna come stay with you for a little bit." And that was like right around uh, Thanksgiving. I don't know how, like maybe I was, maybe you sent something on my Instagram presence or um, maybe we were talking, I'm not exactly sure, but you just reached out and you were like, dude, let's let's get on a FaceTime and let's just talk. Like, I just want to support you any way I can, see where you're at and just be there for you. And yeah, that was really impactful. I'm glad to hear that, man. It's It's interesting because when people are in a tough spot, it's really hard to reach out mm-hmm. and, and ask for support. But it's it reminds me of this whole idea about giving and receiving, mm-hmm. um, especially in dark and challenging times. A lot of people feel like they're a burden on the people that might be able to support them. But it's actually an opportunity to give that person the gift of of giving and supporting, right? And but I've been in that position, and so I think I identified, not not in the exact same scenario, but like in a tough spot where I probably should have asked for support, and I didn't, and that mm-hmm. didn't end very well. Yeah, and I learned a lot of tough lessons from that. And so when I see people that I admire in that position, and uh, it's like you know what, I want to be able to to help, and I want them to feel like they're they're not a burden because I know I did, and and I know that's got to be tough so yeah to your credit it takes a lot to come clean with everything yeah no pun intended but to come clean with everything that you're struggling with and opening up to someone especially someone that you see semi infrequently Mm -hmm. and so i was very impressed 
that you're like, all right, Chris, here is exactly what's going on. This yeah. is how I feel. And and I and I hope you give yourself enough credit because that's the first biggest step is to obviously, you know, be aware, identify, share, and then work towards coming out of that. So um, I was just honored to to help in, 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 in any way because I know that I've needed that before. A little bit of the pay it forward. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. mentality. Absolutely. But, but I'm, I'm curious because like you said, although we have a, a huge mutual respect for each other, we don't see each other super frequently. So for my sake and those who are listening, since that conversation, what's the, if you don't mind sharing, what's mm -hmm. the, the summary of what happened between then and, and now? Yeah. When we're sitting here. Totally. Yeah. I mean, after we got off the the phone, like I, you know, had a good couple days. I got some sleep and it was like Thanksgiving. And so I had Thanksgiving with my mom and one of her friends. And then like right after Thanksgiving dinner, I was just like, all right, mom, I think I'm good to go home. And like I went home and I bought meth like on the way home. Mm. And I continued using for a, a little while, a couple weeks, you know, totally hit rock bottom. Like I didn't have anything. I didn't have my, like my mom had my car, so I didn't have anything. I didn't have any money. I was staying with some random person that was like supporting me, you know, and I was pretty much just trying to burn the, you know, burn the house down or actually, no, I forgot. I did. I, I overdosed on fentanyl. That was like right after, wow. yeah, that was, that was, a that was, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like I didn't even, I wasn't even planning on doing heroin. Like I was just like, I'm just going to do meth because meth, I can kind of moderate a little bit. But yeah, then I ended up doing heroin and I overdosed. And luckily there was somebody at my house with me and he called the paramedics and like I woke up on the floor you know, with a respirator on and everything. And like, I was just like, oh my fuck. Like it happened again. Like I was just totally in disbelief that I did it again, you know? Yeah. And that just kind of goes to show the insanity of addiction is like, it can escalate so quickly like that. Because as soon as I put the drug in my body, it's like, I just, all my inhibitions are gone. You just don't care anymore. You're so you're you're so like spun out. You're so out there that you're you don't have the awareness of like oh this could kill me or like mm. you know. So anyway, that happened. Then I went back to treatment. I went to treatment for two months. I went to this same like men's program that I went to last year, and it was really impactful. Like it was a great program, and they helped me a ton. And I was like. I'll totally go back, you know, like it was offered, like they're, they're really good with their alumni and stuff. Like if you're struggling, like they'll do anything they possibly can to take you back. Mm. I actually got in for free after two months, they put me in sober living for like the first month for free. I got a job like two days after I got out, mm. started doing carpentry and stuff. And yeah. And then it, it, it was kind of like, it was like, all right, like it happened again what now you know mm. like last year for some context like i i got seven months sober or something um and then i started doing kratom and that's what led back to 
using ultimately. Oh, really? Yeah. So that became uh, an intentional gateway. Yes. Drug in a way. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was living in a sober living house. Me and my buddy Matt, who's actually currently my roommate, he just moved into the house that I live at now. Him and I were house managers and we were doing Kratom kind of behind everybody's back. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're the house managers. We're supposed to be setting the example of what you're supposed to be doing, but we're, you know, fucking off and getting high on Kratom and Kava and all these different things, which for the listener, if you don't know what Kratom and Kava are, they're like these, you know, health sup. They're, I think they're people use them for, focus or to, mm. you know, just to take the edge off a little bit. And like, they are quote unquote health supplements. Alternatives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Alternatives. Yeah. yeah. But like Kratom is like, a, if you take enough of it, it feels just like an opiate. Like, does it really? Oh, absolutely. I had no idea. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. And it's very problematic for people who are opiate users or, or people who struggle with addiction because they find it and they're like, oh, well, this is like, you know, this is cool because it's legal. They sell it at the smoke shop. They sell it at the gas station. Mm -hmm. It's totally normal, but it's the same thing. It's you a know? stone throw away. So it just you leapfrog right over. Probably. Exactly. And the, and the problem is, is, is it's like, it's not just that, like, you know, we were talking about my buddy, Justin, just right before uh, we came in here and Justin is like, you know, he's, he, he always reminds me that some people just use supplements or drugs or whatever, just to experience life from a different lens, like a different perspective. Whereas other people are using it to change the way they feel and to be okay in their own skin. And like the reason why I was using Kratom was because I was not doing the things that I need to do in order to keep my internal condition healthy, right? So I was I was not doing things in recovery that I that I should be doing. I wasn't working with I wasn't taking other men through the steps, which is mm -hmm. sponsorship. I wasn't I wasn't going to as many meetings. I wasn't doing H&Is, which H&Is are where you go and you share your story at a treatment center. You bring a meeting to a treatment center or a jail or a homeless shelter. Like mm. it's, it's being of service, carrying the message. I wasn't doing any of those things. And so therefore I was feeling restless, irritable and discontent is what they call it in recovery. Mm. And that's very, I mean, that's very accurate. I'm sure even people who aren't in recovery can relate to that feeling of restless mm -hmm. when you're not doing the things, the daily disciplines, like, you know, meditation, daily routine type stuff that, mm -hmm. that people do to, just to be okay, you know, working out, all those, all those different things. So yeah, it was like, I was using Kratom to change the way I feel because I wasn't feeling good. And then I left sober living like 10 days after um, I started doing Kratom. I, I just, I was just, it all kind of led to, it was just like the Kratom. And then everyone around me was like, we can see you're kind of slipping up. But like, mm. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm ready to move out. Like I'm moving in with my friend. He's offering me this place for 600 bucks a month where sober living's like $1,300 a month. Mm. So I was like, I was setting myself up for failure. I wasn't being honest with what was really going on. Mm. 
and I was moving into an environment like it was a good friend of mine, but I was living in like his garage. It was like a little mm. apart. It was like a, it had no windows. It was like, a, he converted his garage into like a little oh, wow. living space. Yeah. A living and dungeon. A living dungeon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Gotta have dude. the natural light, man. Dude. Oh my God. Like <laughs> I just, I, I, I figured I was like, oh, well, I'll just hang out in the rest of the house and stuff. But I didn't, mm. I isolated in that dungeon. Mm. And yeah, it was like three days. What happened I, after, after that? segment that led up to the relapse that was right around the time that we talked mm. and then i went back to treatment so i kind of yeah i, I went in a little yeah. loop back i kind of probably lost some people on that one but you were in the spin uh, cycle of the of the addiction and the, and the relapse yeah, yeah 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 exactly like the last two years have been kind of a a clusterfuck it's basically been six months sober Kratom, relapsed, back to treatment, or like overdosed, back to treatment. Then I was in sober living mm. for like four months. I moved into the house that I'm living at now. Um, and how long have you been there? I've been there for like, I think I'm coming up on five months. And have things and, been different there than, than before? Totally. Yeah? yeah? Oh yeah. So what, I'm really curious because when you've, battled these things and you've gone back and forth, which it's not a failure mm -hmm. on your part. I don't think that we see that a lot, right. especially with addiction and all forms of addiction. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious about what makes now different than before. Like what are those key concepts that give you a sturdier foundation? Because you seem, mm -hmm. and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you seem different. Mm -hmm. since I've talked to you this time. Yeah. You seem like you have a renewed sense of direction and fulfillment and energy. And I'm wondering if that's because your relation to this cycle that you've been going through has been broken. Mm -hmm. And if it has, what's that due to? Yeah, totally. In the past, people have always asked me, like, what's different this time? Even one of my, one of my other buddies, um, Dallas, who he was on like episode five or six and he asked me the same question. And I said, I was, I was going on this tangent of saying like this, 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 and this is all different. And then I, I kind of fumbled on my words and I was like, you know what? Nothing's different. Hmm. Like I was like, this is the same. I've, I've felt this way before I've hmm. felt this good before, but kind of reflecting on it now, what's different is that I'm aware that right around this time, I get really comfortable, I get really complacent, and I start to think that I can go back to casual smoking weed, taking edibles, mm. taking mushrooms, doing some plant medicine ceremonies, like, you know, all of these these things that I view as as like medicine and stuff. But for me right now, it's it's a little too close mm. to it's still like a like a trigger. So I'm feeling all this like, okay, I've gotten all the external stuff back. I'm doing really well. I'm starting to feel normal again. What's different this time is I'm not letting that complacent, or I don't know if complacent is the right word, but I'm not letting that comfortability cause me to take my foot off the gas mm. with my recovery work that I'm doing and stuff. And I'm actually doubling down. So like I've already worked like the 12 steps all the way through, but the program is 
a consistent, like you're supposed to just work the steps over and over and mm. over again. So like right now I'm working, I just got a new sponsor just cause I want to have a different experience than my old sponsor. I'm reworking the steps. I have two sponsees that I'm sponsoring. Mm. I'm doing the H and I's where I go. I'm doing one this Thursday. Actually, I did one two Thursdays ago where I go out to a treatment center and share the message. You know, mm -hmm. I'm better with my daily disciplines. I'm better at not identifying with my mind. Like my buddy, Justin, he's helped me a ton with just understanding my mind and shout out to Justin. I'm actually doing his anxiety program right now oh, that he cool. has, which is talking about where anxiety comes from and how to kind of identify it and just feel it for what it is, but not let it totally derail you mm. and stuff. So I'm working a lot with presence and just being still and like I'm, I've, I've slowed down a lot. I'm aware of my tendencies to grasp for comfort through food or nicotine or porn or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Social media, like whatever. I'm, I have more awareness and I'm doing more work. I think that's the only difference. Difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I have suffered from addiction, but it's never really been substance oriented. It's either been habit or, you know, like, yeah, porn, video games, um, a, lo a lot of escapes, right? which is, you know, very common for addictions. Mm -hmm. But I've been cyclical with it. You know, you kind of get disgusted with yourself and you're like, this is going to be different. And then you stick to it for a little bit. But then what I've realized, because a lot of the clients that I work with, even though we focus on holistic health, typically part of that is an unhealthy relationship with a habit or an addiction or or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed with myself and with my clients and other people I've worked with in the past is that you can't just remove the addiction and not fill that hole with something else. Because with the addiction, you know it fits mm -hmm. pretty well and you're comfortable with it. It's familiar. And so it's tantalizing to not have that space be filled because you can feel the emptiness and this fits there just fine it was there before and so right. it's easy for you to kind of backslide and, and fill in that space in that way and so what i've been practicing with myself and with my clients is experimenting with substitutes mm -hmm. before i had you know a little more of an ego or this superhero complex which is like hey I can do anything that I set my mind to as long as I'm consistent and disciplined. And there are people who are my clients that are more consistent and disciplined than I am even on certain things. And they still struggle with cutting it out without adding a substitute in. And so I think for, for people listening, I'd be really curious to know if this is something that resonates with them because you know I have a sample size of, I don't know, maybe like 80, to 100 people that I've talked to this about, and it seems pretty consistent, but I would love to get like a bigger input on that because if I, I got addicted to cutting out my addictions, mm -hmm. so it was like one thing after another, and then the slate was clean, but then it was almost too serious. Yeah. I wasn't playing enough. I wasn't really like adventuring and, and taking life by the haunches. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's because I had left that hole unfilled and I resisted 
putting anything in it, but that's not really sustainable. Right. And so I don't know what the perfect substitute is. I'm sure it's different yeah. from person to person. But for me, I thought after I tried a lot of things and they didn't fit, I went back to, to video games. This was actually just a few months ago because I was like, look, I can moderate it. I haven't before, but I can because things are different now. A lot of similarities there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, it's 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 fine. It's fine. Yeah. And there's a social uh, aspect to it and whatever. And then at first I was like, it was small dosages, right? Mm -hmm. Metaphorically. And it wasn't bad. And it was nice to kind of turn off my mind for a moment. Just like similar things that people do for TV, social media, movies, similar mm -hmm. concept, but then it gets out of control. Totally. And then you lose yourself. And then you're like, wow, I, I wasted a, a lot of time. Mm. And and so there's a fine line between something that is restorative or that is a reprieve versus something that is counterproductive and destructive. Right. And so I am still trying to experiment on what that hole needs to be filled with, mm -hmm. um, euphemisms aside. And so are like a lot of my clients. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people have to almost get addicted to the right things in order to sh to, ins to ensure that they don't backslide into whatever's familiar. Yeah. So for you, what is, is this podcast one of those things? It's like, it's a new venture, it's filling that addiction, or if not, is it a, a combination of things? I'm really curious. Or does any yeah. of that even resonate Dude, with you? 100%, yeah. Uh, I would say what I've been trying to practice is like when I do feel the urge to eat a bunch of sugar or look at porn or something like I am practicing first sitting in it and just feeling it and like mm. letting myself feel that like restlessness and like kind of seeing like what's coming up. Like, why do I want to escape right now? And nine times out of 10, it's because I don't want to do something that I need to do in order to grow deeper in my spiritual connection mm. or grow deeper in my vision for this podcast or grow deeper in my recovery, like, or read a book or do something that's gonna, yeah. I mean, mm. read a book that falls in the category of just grow deeper, you know? Mm. Um, so I've noticed that when I am needing to do something that's good for me, I'm going to be triggered by the urge to do something that's not good for me. Mm. Yeah, I'm practicing like getting into some breath work and just trying to move the energy out or move it somewhere else. If it's sexual energy, like how do I move it into my heart and mm. make it creative energy? Or like obviously going outside and, you know, doing a little workout or going for a run or like doing something like that is obviously a good way to, cause it, cause it really is just energy. Mm. And if I can just put it into something else, redirect it a little, redirect bit. it, then the urge goes away. Mm. Something I've been dealing with lately is not wanting to even give it the time and space to feel it and just immediately submit to the urge to do something that's not good for me. Mm. I did have a I did have a bit of a breakthrough yesterday. One of my buddies came over and we did some breath work and we set some intention around like okay, this is like what I'm what I'm going to release during this session is like this resistance that I'm feeling this resistance to 
not do the things that I know I need to do in order to open more doors in my life. And I did have like a release. I had like mm -hmm. a, I got, you know, I had like a physical bodily release from this breath work. And I was actually just texting him before I came in here. I was like, dude, I, like something changed, like something shifted. Wow. I really feel renewed. I feel like during this season of, you know, I call it my self-sabotage season. I've been feeling lower energy, having a hard time waking up, been feeling resistance with ice bath, with working out, with like journaling, visualizing mm. for my future. Like I've been feeling all this resistance and just wanting to just sit and just watch TV or mm. look at porn or do what, you know? So yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But, but, but what I found is you got to replace it with something else. Mm -hmm. something else that's good for you. So, and and you have to be willing to feel the discomfort of like, okay, I want to do, I want to sit in bed and be a lazy, lazy ass, but I'm going to go for a run instead, yeah. you know? There's, there's nuance there that I find psychologically fascinating and I have more questions than answers about it. So I wish I could be, say, this is the secret recipe. But the, the reality is along the lines of what we're both saying, there's resistance to things that feel obligatory. So the, the trick is to fill that void with something that you're excited about doing and that's relatively frictionless. And that's why I believe there's a lot of experimentation because you don't really know if it's going to fit until you try to make it fit. And so mm -hmm. you, have to, you have to just fail forward and try one thing after another until, and I, I don't know that anyone has this like aha moment, mm -hmm. but you can, you can easily feel if you're, if you're having an honest conversation with yourself, whether or not you are satisfied with these addiction substitutes, let's call them. Right. So for me, seasons is a great way to, to say all this because what satisfies that substitution need, I think changes from season to season. There was a season in my life where I was learning so much about health and fitness and trying all these new workouts and diet things that that fit the need in the void. But then I kind of, I don't wanna say graduated from that. I, it didn't become stale, but it became kind of second nature. So mm -hmm. I didn't have this kind of attention and focus. Honestly, it was, it's a healthy, it was a healthy addiction. Right. And then, but then it becomes second nature and you need something else to be the focal point, the forefront of that addictive energy. And, and I do think most humans by nature are addictive. You want to sink your teeth into something. You want to have the gratification of progression in a skill set or knowledge or an experience. And, and I don't think any of that is inherently evil, but I think the more that we become aware that it's like a carousel and each horse that you ride is like a season and eventually it passes through your focal lens of the camera's view of this carousel and you have to pick something else that's a healthy addiction that will temporarily fill that void. And, and if we force ourselves to feel guilty about needing a healthy addiction or just addiction in general, then we kind of like fall off the, the, the ride and then we have to start back over. And if we think that we pick one thing and that's going to last forever, we kind of set ourselves up for failure from an expectation perspective. At least this is my recent theory yeah. about it. And I would be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, and, and also I know because you're, you know, a lot, you've been, you know, coach, personal trainer, you're, you know, your way around the gym to say the least. So has that ever been a substitute for addiction for you in the past? And did that also have a limited season? Yeah. I was kind of thinking about that 
as you were saying, you know, it fit for a certain m amount of time. And then it was like, it didn't have that same effect. Um, like I've found that trying new things, like lately doing more kettlebell stuff, trying to learn steel mace and, you know, some of these more, I don't know, flow like movements and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, those have been really good for me. Like when I'm feeling, you know, some type of anxiousness and stuff, just to go outside and like, you know, try to practice some new flow with the steel mace and stuff. Yeah. Like I've noticed as long as it's something that's like new and like interesting and I can be like a student at it, mm -hmm. then it does, it does fill that, that, that void, you know, it makes me wonder if part of substituting addiction has to do with novelty and newness, right? So like if you master something or you just become bored with it, that addiction substitute doesn't really have the benefit of filling the void as it did before. But at the same time, then it's, you know, there's this whole argument about, um, you know, instant gratification probably keeps you from being able to use an addiction substitute for its full life mm -hmm. span and because if you just want more 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 you could burn through whatever naturally this thing might have taken either years ago or if you had moderated it whatnot so yeah the, the, the it just makes me wonder because novelty i don't think is inherently a bad thing either mm -hmm. and i don't think addiction is as well if you channel it right or you have these healthy substitutes but maybe that's what you know, defines the period in which you should have each substitute. Like if people are, you know, listening to this and they're like, okay, yeah, I have, uh, I've had addictions and then I've had addiction substitutes. So when do I know when to move on to the next? I think it's just being aware and having this conversation with yourself mm -hmm. and saying, I'm starting to become disinterested. So before one of these unproductive or deconstructive things slide back into that void, I need to find another healthy substitute i need to be proactive and have like a contingency plan mm -hmm. um and and it's interesting because we both battled it on in different ways mm -hmm. but i should probably take my own advice because right. i don't have any lined up really and I, yeah. i'm like searching actively for it because gonna... i don't want to go back into where i used to be right yeah i was gonna say what have you found that is that resonates with you like do you feel like you need something new something uh i don't know something foreign i guess to like do you have to continue to to progress in whatever you're replacing an unhealthy mm -hmm. habit with or is it like something that can be the same thing every time like you know you're feeling anxious get in the cold plunge and it just mm -hmm. works every time you know there have been seasons and i always think that this is the thing and it will persist permanently mm -hmm. until the end of time. And that's just, it's never been the case. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I'm having these, these revelations and these conversations with myself. Um, for a long time, it was trying different diets and lifestyles. I did that over like, you know, 12 to 14 years. And I'm still doing smaller experiments under that umbrella, but they don't, they don't really fill the full addiction void. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to reignite my passion and addiction and um, 
healthy obsession with those things, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not quite doing it. And I don't know what's next around the corner, but I, I do know that every day when I technically do everything I'm supposed to, and I'm very, very type A, you know, like time blocking, list of non-negotiables each day, like very disciplined. Mm -hmm. At the end of a day where I do all those things, I feel productive, I feel fulfilled, but this tiny, tiny, like little seed deep in, in my gut mm -hmm. that's like wants to disconnect, even if momentarily. And so in the past, it's been like, oh, I can rationalize, you know, watching a show or a movie with somebody else because it's like I'm spending some sort of semblance of quality time with somebody and I can rationalize vegging out. Um, it's, you know, it has been reading. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Like I know I'm an adult, but those comics are so funny and so insightful and I find it very cathartic. You know, especially yeah. by red night, red light at night. It's so fun. Yeah. But um, those things are all a manner of temporarily forgetting your life's troubles mm -hmm. and disconnecting. And so then from those things that I'm naturally gravitating towards when I feel this little pit in my gut about like, I just wanted like not do something productive, even yeah. if it's for 30 minutes, 15 minutes, because I'm always going, going, going. I'm wondering if, if it's just an evolutionarily inconsistent amount of productivity versus rest. So maybe what I'm not, what I'm searching for, and I know I'm, I'm completely contra contradicting my theory before, maybe I don't need to fill that void with an activity. Maybe I just need to be more at peace. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if, if other people or you feel that way about it. And, and then if that is true, and we go down, we pull that string a little more, is that a product of just modernity? That it's so hard to find peace. And, and I think that's why meditation is so important. Or even those flows you were talking about, mm -hmm. it's kind of a combination of exercise and meditation, meditation in a way. Yeah, exactly. And, it's and it, movement meditation. Yeah. Yeah. So is is that part of the equation too? You know, like if maybe you do find a good addiction substitute, but you also need to make sure you're making enough time for peace and tranquility. Stillness. Yeah. Stillness. Yeah. Great word for that. I don't know. And, I, and I, again, something I'm still kind of fleshing out and, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people have had similar trains of thoughts, but does that resonate with you too? Yeah. Yeah. I think I sense from you that there's a little bit of guiltiness about not doing anything, mm -hmm. you know? And I think you should allow yourself to not do anything more often. And maybe since you are a type A person that has to have everything in a block, you know, you can put block of like, I don't, this is me time, like where I don't do anything or I like, I don't have any expectation, like one hour a day or something that you could still do something that's good for you, but you don't have any expectation on what it is that you're going to do during that time. And like, you can just be still and just be okay doing nothing, you know? Cause I struggle with that too, where I feel guilty, like I'm I'm definitely a go, go, go kind of person. And like, if I'm not doing anything, then I'm like, oh, well, I'm worthless. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm, I, I have all these things that I need to do. Like when I'm not doing anything, like I'm just wasting time, you know? Yeah. But really it's like, no, it's really healthy to have that. Cause you don't want to be too, like for me, I don't, I can't be too hard on myself with stuff like that 
or else then I go down this shame spiral. spiral. Yeah. And yeah, then it's just, you know, it just leads to more, you know, shame and eventually, uh, you know, toxic habit or something, you know, it just, so if that I might can even be part of the cycle right. we're talking about, right? It is like if you, if, cause if you feel like you have unreasonable expectations mm-hmm. and then you don't meet those and then you, you come back to, to saying, Oh, like, yeah, piece of shit worth all those things. Mm-hmm. And then that leads, that's like a gateway mentality to leading to the substance. That's the gateway substance to the other substances. And then I feel like, yeah, to come full circle, ironically, that that's, Part of the cycle, and you gave totally great advice. Part of the cycle, yeah. By the way, if you're a time block and you're type A, mm-hmm. time block to not have anything going on. Yeah, it's. I feel like such a hypocrite time because I preach this. <laughs> yes, it's great. Yeah, it's such a great hack. I preach this to my to my clients, mm-hmm. and sometimes I fail to do it. Out of everything that I'm a hypocrite for, and there's very few things, that is probably the most glaring one. Right. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Because I I, I need to be more um more consistent with that because I, and you probably get this too when you were when you had sponsees or you were one of the the leaders in the house mm-hmm. that you're talking about yeah earlier you know what to tell people to support them but there's always a little fragment that's hard to follow yourself and it's not like an ego thing you're not like I'm an exception to the rule it's 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 like as being a good leader means sometimes you have the same struggles mm-hmm. and we're in different, you know, chapters of that story of struggle. Right. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to think about that. So I appreciate you saying that. And, yeah. and it is f- interesting to think that the guilt and shame definitely enhance the susceptibility to falling prey to addiction right. all over again. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that stillness is really important but obviously there's both ends of the spectrum. Like you can take that way too far. And then it's just like, oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything all the time. Cause I'm so present and mm-hmm. still, and everything's great. You know, like y- you want to have, uh, you know, a schedule and you want to have goals and you want to have expectations, but don't make your expectations too high because, you are a human, you are living this experience of life. And like, whether you like it or not, it's, there's going to be, you know, ups and downs and stuff and like, and limitations and and limitations. Yeah, exactly. So it's like honor your body when you're feeling like you don't want to do anything, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's really important to have that time. Yeah. And even if, you know, put it on your calendar every day and it doesn't have to be an hour, it could be 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. But even if like, maybe it's a day where you're just not feeling like taking a rest and that's fine too, you know, but like on those days where you are feeling like just resting and doing absolutely nothing, like do that. Yeah. Use your intuition as a filter because you probably, you can plan your day out however you want, but it doesn't always go. It doesn't always. Yeah. So if you're flexible to do what you need, that's probably the, the winning mindset. Right. From the limitations standpoint, just like anything, you can always pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's best to to not to not do that, even though it seems like a lot of us have a, a natural knack to want to like go from one extreme to the other. But what, why I say all that is because anything is possible. I do believe that. But the limitations aren't in what you achieve in the long run. It's the pace at that which you pursue that achievement. And so I think that's what we're really talking about is people will be more susceptible to renewing an unhealthy addiction 
if they move at an unreasonable pace. So don't limitations are not in what you can accomplish with your life. It's not with who you are. It's not with how great that you can become and how great you can make the world around you and your relationships and the people around you. And that's a mutual rising tide thing. Mm -hmm. But the limitations are how fast of a pace you can go that's sustainable without downside. Because when you go fast, you pay for it later. And so for those of us who struggle with addictions, which I would argue are probably most people, whether they know it or not, if you have a more sustainable pace, I think you greatly mitigate mm. any risk for falling back into addictions. Yeah, for like and, burnout. And burnout, which I, I would argue is probably related to that, yeah. Right. Yeah, I needed to hear all this. You know, it's cool how these podcasts are so impactful for us you know mm -hmm. because it's like it's just it's stuff that that i needed to hear you know because i feel like i've been kind of burning the candle on both ends and feeling bad about like oh i'm in this kind of recovery early recovery phase of my life like i'm taking things slow i'm not pushing myself too too hard and i've been feeling some guilt around it and that mm. guilt has led to a little bit of isolation and resistance and in turn like some unhealthy coping mechanisms you know mm -hmm. to to ease yeah it's just it's a cycle you mm -hmm. know it's it's not even necessarily that i believe that you know eating a bunch of snacks is gonna make things better but it's just a unconscious coping mechanism that i'm you know leaning into to just try to change the way I feel, you know? Yeah. When really it's not, it's not working at all. And then it's just this, yeah, continuous cycle. But I wanted to go back to when you were talking about um, being like a leader, being a coach and uh, not taking your own advice. Like not, like I always, that's been one of my issues, even in, in like my addiction was like, I would tell you exactly what you wanted to hear. I would tell you the things that you wanted to hear to make you comfortable with me and how I'm doing or something. Like I would I would preach all this stuff of like, you know, oh, I'm doing so well. I'm I'm doing this. I'm th this is happening. I feel so good. I you know, so happy, but I was you know, behind closed doors, I'm, I'm engaging in my addictions heavily. And like, so there's this, like, there's this balance of like, yeah, you want to like help other people and you want to give them good advice. And like, if you're giving good advice and you're talking about it, you're speaking it into existence. So maybe you're more likely to like do the same things that you're talking about, but it can become this toxic, like, I'm telling everybody to do all this different stuff and I'm all high and mighty and I'm, I've got it all figured out, but really internally I'm like falling the fuck apart. Yeah. You know, can you relate to that at all? Yes. I think more so in the past mm -hmm. right now, I I'm very aware yeah. of like where I'm falling short and it's, and it's mostly in smaller, smaller sectors, mm -hmm. but that's a beautiful thing. I think, the illusion that the people worth following or the people that have it figured out is pretty 
backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be admiring the people who are struggling with the same thing and they're pushing towards it and they're willing to share it and they're willing to tell you when they fall short and how they think they're going to do it better next time mm-hmm. because nobody's got to figure it out. You can go to the top of the ladder in any topic, any anybody who's traditionally or even untraditionally successful and they're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the curse and the gift of life. You know, the curse is you're never going to know what the solution, like the 100% sure solution for anything is, but you'll always be getting little nuggets or incremental advances in understanding a problem and, and increasing your proficiency when it comes to the temptations or the challenges behind that problem. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I I know that working with people is the best thing that I can do because I offer them a lot of value, but it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And you know, sharing kind of like what we're doing right now, our struggles and our thoughts opens up doors. Like you were talking about, hey, I needed this conversation. I did too. Yeah. There's something magical about externally processing. And so uh, that's another reason why I just love what I do so much because I am always trying to do better while my clients are trying to do better. And sure, you know, just like same with you, I'm sure you have these a little more experience in certain areas, but if you are doing it right, you're always open to doing better and people will help you uncover these secret doors that you might otherwise have missed where you can go and grow at an exponential rate compared to if you were just trudging along by yourself. Totally. Um, so, so to answer your question, yes, it resonates, but I, I feel very um, you know, fortunate that I'm able to learn a lot from my peers mm-hmm. and, my, and my clients. And I, I don't, at this point in my life, I'm not too astray. Um, the time blocking to do nothing is definitely something that I, like the second we get out of here, man, I'm putting that on my calendar, yeah. reoccurring. Um, Good. And, because I've been preaching and not and not doing it. Right. But I think there is something really magical about when you do when you are an expert at something or you are offering something to being open to the ping pong effect of also getting some feedback totally. for, for for yourself. Cause if, if you don't do that, you're missing out on a lot of nuggets. Absolutely. And I'm a I'm a hoarder of nuggets myself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like tater tots in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, chicken nuggets, oh, yeah. <laughs> beef nuggets, yeah. liver nuggets. There we go. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting yeah. after it. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I totally miss. Like, I haven't been working with clients for the last year, mm. um, just because I, you know, realized like I can't be a coach if I'm you know struggling with my own things um, and addictions that are causing my life to be unmanageable Mm. and I'm not able to show up for my clients for bailing on different commitments and check-in calls and different stuff because I'm not right internally, but I will eventually get back into coaching because I love coaching. And I know that this podcast is definitely helping me to just have an outlet where I can start talking and processing things and, and giving, giving a little bit of my, you know, uh, just life experience and advice, whatever. 
my clients were like, I had such amazing relationships with my mm. clients and they were so supportive of me in the same way that I was supportive of them. And I miss that. And like, I still have, I still keep in contact with some of them, but it's not the same as when they're paying you and they're, you know, you're actively, engaged. they are. Yeah. You're actively engaged because there's something about a financial commitment and also just a, an um, emotional commitment, mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're in this together. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm paying for this. So I'm going to answer the phone when you call and you're paying me. So I'm going to call you and hopefully you yeah. answer, you know, and like, it's like a friendly contractual obligation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or standard. Yeah. yeah. And like, if I could, you know, still connect with my past clients on a weekly basis, I absolutely would, mm -hmm. you know, but time just doesn't allow for that. Mm. Um, Can I, can I challenge you a, a little bit on that? Mm -hmm. Because I understand this. You, you probably want to get certain ducks in a row right. before you do that because you feel like, oh, I'm, I might just like let them down. Yeah. But I mean, is it is it ever too soon? Like, to take too soon just just to jump back into it? Oh no, I'm definitely feeling. I'm definitely yeah? feeling it. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling called back into it. Oh yeah. Um, I'm coming up on a year sober. Um, December seventh, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, so I'm finally feeling just great. You know what I mean? Like I'm finally feeling like I can hold space for people again and I can, and like, also it was a discipline thing. Like I built my coaching business off of like intuition. Like I didn't mm -hmm. really create systems. I didn't create programs. I didn't create, um, too many resources for like, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you were talking about like on a discovery call, if somebody, you know, isn't quite ready for coaching, but they do still want your support and they want some resources. Like how do you still support that person to mm -hmm. kind of get them in your network while they're, you know, still kind of like, how do you support that person so that they can eventually be, a potential client yeah. after they, you know, work on some foundational um, skills that will make them more ready for coaching and stuff. And like, I just, I didn't do enough of the, the work of like mm. creating systems so that I knew exactly how to generate leads and everything like that. And then I was also struggling with my addiction and mm. I was microdosing mushrooms every day and that led to Adderall and then that led to meth. And it was just like, then mm. I'm like doing meth while trying to coach my clients and stuff. And they're like, what the hell is going on with this guy? <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. So like, yeah, it, it, it's just like, I didn't prepare enough for the scaling of the business. So then when it got to the point of like, you know, I have 20 clients and like, now I need to like hire a virtual assistant mm. or a, um, you know, assistant coach or, or something. Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't there yet. Yeah. Like I, I got a virtual assistant and I could tell that she was just like, you know, you're not ready to mm -hmm. like, you're not ready to, to move forward. And you're not doing the things that I'm asking. Like I wasn't able to set her up with consistent projects mm. because I was too overwhelmed with just yeah. getting through my day to day. You know, I think that's a good point because 
it kind of goes back to the guilt and the addiction and the shame and all these things we've talked about. If you bite off more than you can chew and you know it, mm-hmm. the pacing, the sustainability, it's not there. Right. And, and I and I understand that this is probably one of the most unpopular opinions that I have is it's not the grind isn't worth it if it comes at too steep of a cost. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, you just push it till you make it, everything, <laughs> just sacrifice everything. And then once you make it there, it's rainbows and butterflies. And I call bullshit. Yeah. Uh and and I think especially like 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 take it from from your scenario. I wouldn't be surprised is if if you have that stillness and you're hitting all of these routine things that make you more at peace and that you would be an amazing coach especially if you didn't bite off more than you can chew because then you have time to add the value and to support your assistant and to to grow the business instead of feeling overwhelmed the trajectory might not be as sexy because it's it's not like this mm-hmm. it's not a hockey stick but it, over time i don't think you'd have the roller coaster right effect for lack of a, of a more intelligible way to say it totally and uh so i'm i'm, I'm not i don't i'm not trying to like push you to do it and mm-hmm. It's a, because timing is everything and only you know your right. your best timing. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited to see that when it when it does come to fruition. Yeah. And and maybe if you wanna do those systems and those other things that you didn't do before, maybe that'll be one of those seasonal healthy substitutes for an addiction for yeah. you. Yeah. I, I can't wait to totally. talk to you yeah. in the future yeah, like and creating. see if it does that. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Creating is I love writing. Yeah. I don't do it as much. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to write a book. So I wrote the first rough draft to a book a couple oh, wow. weekends ago. I took a writer's retreat, went off the grid and just wrote like a madman. And how much did you write? Uh like 70 pages in 30 hours. Um a lot of, I, I did some editing in there too, as opposed to just a like a brain dump. Mm-hmm. But creativity or being, you know, creating because you want to do it, not because there's a certain transactional outcome or you feel obligated to, I think is one of the few things that helps me disconnect um, that fills that void we were we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier. And, and I think journaling can be like that for some people. It doesn't really do it for me. I know meditation does that for a lot of people. Doesn't do it for me as much, mm-hmm. but writing is, whew, yeah, I love it, man. And I never would have said, oh yeah, I'm an aspiring author or writer before. Yeah. But that's kind of maybe one of those things that's filling the void for me. Yeah. For for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm needing to find more creative or um just put myself into these creative outlets that I've always wanted to explore. Like something that I'm gonna work on, which is just it's a simple project, but it's been this big thing for me. Like I've been talking about doing it for a while and I just haven't done it, but it's like, I'm just going to draw a picture of like what I want my life to look like. Like, you know, just like a full blown illustration, just an illustration of like what I want to create with be powerful and and what that means and, and just draw it out, you know, and it's going to look like a freaking third grader did it, but it's going to be great, you know, and I'm going to know exactly what it means and I'm going to put it and like, I'm a terrible drawer, dude. <laughs> it's so bad, but I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah. And it's going to look like a third grader did it, but it's going to be great. It's going to, it's going to look like something yeah. you'd find in a elementary school classroom, you know? And I'm excited about it. I, I think I'll, the fact I'll, that I'll, I'll, I'll post it when I do it or yeah? something, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. the fact that you're excited about it is all you need to know. Right. Right. Because if, the the idea of removing all the filters, mm-hmm. right? Because that's where resentment, obligation, 
transaction, all these things that kind of taint mm -hmm. these pure self-originating desires to create, it, it skews the reason that you're doing something like that. And it probably skews the benefits. So if you create just because you, Brian, want to do it and, and you enjoy it, that's when you get lost in it, whether, mm -hmm. you know, it's a flow state or a disconnect or, you know, the whole channeling the source, whatever you want to call it. I think those benefits are best preserved when you're not doing it for somebody else or some other outcome. And so the fact that like you're sitting here giddy, right. you don't care what the quality mm -hmm. is going to look like, you just pump the draw. Yeah. Like that's special, man. That's totally. there's something to it. Yeah, yeah. So that and other things, you know, writing. Uh, I want to pick up a guitar and learn guitar. Like I just really want to replace all my destructive habits with just stillness where I can create, mm -hmm. you know? And I know as soon as I let go, like that was what this breath work was about yesterday. It's like, these things are not gonna come to fruition and these doors are not gonna open in my life until I replace my habits, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I love that. And, and I know we're running out of time, but yeah. I'm excited to check in in a few months and see if you and I are, have, are still struggling with the same thoughts, maybe we've, had some new ones, but totally. Um, I think this is a really important topic, and so I'm yeah. excited to see how we evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to wrap things up, mm -hmm. like obviously, you know, I'm sure some of my listeners are going to want to connect with you. What would be the best way to connect with you? And just if you want to talk a little bit about what your coaching is all about and just what you're up to. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity for a shameless plug. But, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty low on the radar, man. I'm. I'm just in Austin. I love yeah. being involved in the community. I love connecting with new people. I'm not, you can't, I don't have a lot uh, in terms of avenues to connect with me, just animal baits, my yeah. last name, B-A-T-E-S on Instagram. Yeah. That's probably the best way. They can find a lot about what I'm doing there or, or shoot me a message. I love to connect with people. For sure. Um, but yeah, it's just a very involved, holistic coaching. And, totally. and a, a lot of my clients, like I said, it's typically alcohol is a thing that we work on in conjunction with health because um, it's probably the most common, but also one of the, it's pretty detrimental, yeah. uh, even especially considering it's normalized. But anyhow, people, yeah, reach out. And if people are in Austin, I love connecting one-on-one. -on -one. It's yeah. kind of like a, a podcast without the recording, you yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah. anybody wants to go out to coffee to talk about these things is like, I'm always down for that. That's a healthy addiction for me right now, ironically. Sweet. And I love the podcast, by the way. I've been listening to a few episodes and you're Thank being you. very courageous and taking a lot of action. And uh, I think it's super valuable and beneficial for a lot of people. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. I needed to hear that, definitely. Um, yeah, it's been really cool, you know, just talking about whatever. Uh, I like how this conversation was just kind of us talking and there yeah. was no like, because sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to interview someone. Like not every time do I have like a list of 10 or more mm -hmm. questions that I want to ask somebody, but just getting into like an organic conversation is a great method as well. You know, yeah. so me not thinking that I need to like always interview someone um, is good. Yeah, kind of feedback that I got from this, you know. Yeah, sometimes the convert people just love to be a fly on the wall for a good conversation. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, sweet. We'll uh, we'll hit the uh, stop button here, but I just want to say thank you very much um, 
for this opportunity in the in the studio mm -hmm. um and yeah we'll uh we'll see you guys next week thanks for having me man yeah absolutely <laughs>